0: We can make a difference. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. job.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to the 50th episode of Verbal Diorama Uh, This is a bit of a landmark for this podcast, I have to be honest Um, Obviously I thought I would get to 50 episodes because you don't think you start a podcast thinking that you're not going to get to 50 But the fact that um, I've got to 50 episodes is really, really exciting Um, And so because it's a landmark for this podcast Um, I wanted to cover a landmark in animation history. Um, And there was only one that even popped into my mind, and that was Toy Story. Um, If you've listened to any other episode I've done on animation, and there are a fair amount in there, you'll know that I'm a big fan of hand-drawn and stop-motion animation. Um, And both should be celebrated um, and highlighted as much as possible because just because of the prevalence of uh, computer animation, really. Um, and that obviously all started with Toy Story. Um, that's not to say I'm opposed to CG animation, because as far as I'm concerned, all animation is good in my eyes. I sometimes just feel like Hollywood is so saturated with it that it's harder for the more traditional animations to come through and, and be well regarded. Um, needless to say, Toy Story was a genuine feat and a massive risk Um, And there was nothing else in contention for the 50th episode. And especially poignant, uh, as Toy Story is 25 years old this year. um, And like Buzz Lightyear, I prefer to say that Verbal Diorama is not flying through to its 50th episode. It's more like falling with style. It's a good time to announce as well that I am going to be doing another animation season. Um, So at the end of December last year... All the way through to March, I did an animation season, um, and I've been umming and as to whether to do it again, but I have decided that animation season part two is going to be coming next January. It's going to be a bit shorter than the last one, uh, but again, it's going to be a mix of traditional hand-drawn animation, stop-motion animation, and computer animation, all from the major studios, so there's going to be some Disney in there. There's going to be some Pixar, some DreamWorks, some Aardman, um, and some of the more kind of obscure, lesser-known animation too that I really want to highlight. Um, I felt now was the right time to announce, it, even though it's a little way off. Um, and being completely honest, uh, you should also expect some more animation next month, um, and something that I consider modern Disney's finest, um, which may be a bit of a hint it may not be a bit of a hint but it's something that i genuinely think is one of the best of modern disney so 21st century disney it's really the pinnacle as far as i'm concerned um if you are new to verbal diorama hello <laughs> it's really nice that you've joined us uh, for the 50th episode thank you so much if you're wondering you know bloody hell how has this person managed to get out 50 episodes well to be honest i i have no idea um But I am delighted to have you here, so welcome, Uh, thank you to everyone for listening, even if this is your first episode or your 50th episode, I am so grateful for that. Um, And also thank you as well for all of the love that I got for the Muppets, which was the previous episode. Um, I never genuinely thought the Muppets would get any hate because it's the Muppets and they're wonderful, Um, but it was a slightly different take uh, as far as my episodes are concerned. Um, But... I'm just happy that people seem to love it so uh so that's really great it's worth also adding if you do like this episode or any episode actually um if you could take a moment to leave a rating and review over on apple podcasts uh five stars uh, would be amazing um it's genuinely just the best way to show that you like what i do it gives me a bit of a boost podcasting is hard <laughs> it's It's not the easiest thing I've ever done in my life, but it's also the most fulfilling and wonderful thing I've ever done in my life. Best of all for you, uh, you're supporting me and Verbal Diorama and it's completely free and it takes a few minutes. So if you could do that, that would be absolutely wonderful. But this is a special episode. The uh, little voice that you heard at the start of this episode was my very, very special guest. That was my nephew. He is four years old and Toy Story is one of his favourite films. Um, He loves singing, you've got a friend in me, and so I managed to get him via my sister to perform a little ditty uh, for this episode. Uh, I think that just kind of goes to the power of Toy Story, that um, 25 years later it can still resonate with a four-year-old. But yeah, I'm really happy that my nephew could be involved in this episode, so thank you little H. And, yeah, let's let's just go into it. Let's go to Andy's room and see the toys.
0: Sergeant, yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are at code red. Recon plan, Charlie, execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents a totally new animated motion picture event. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Ooh. There seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello. Hey, oh, yeah. ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything! You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw! Oh, oh, me again! I don't like confrontations! Buzz look an alien! Where? <laughs> You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> <gasps> Impressive wingspan. Very good. (laughs) Oh, what? What? You can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 This holiday season, the adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond Toy Story. Look out! (laughs) Can.
1: Andy loves to be in his room playing with his toys, especially his wooden pull-string cowboy doll, Woody. But when Andy is not in the room, the toys come to life. Woody believes that his life as a toy is good. However, with an impending house move and an early birthday party for Andy, all the toys are stressed that they might be replaced with a brand new toy. As the birthday party comes to an end with no new toys appearing, Woody is relieved until Andy's mother gifts him a Space Ranger action figure, Buzz Lightyear. Andy starts to favour Buzz, who does not believe that he's a toy, and he quickly becomes Andy's new favourite, and Woody is relegated. Woody, now consumed with jealousy, tries to get rid of Buzz before they're both accidentally lost. They must find a way to work together to get back to Andy before he moves house without them, but they will have to pass through ruthless toy killer, Sid Phillips. Okay, so... I think everyone knows the cast of Toy Story and its many sequels, um, but I'm going to go through them anyway because um, that's what I do. Um, So we have Tom Hanks as Woody, Tim Allen as Buzz, Don Rickles as Mr Potato Head, Jim Varney as Slinky, Wallace Shawn as Rex, John Ratzenberger as Ham, Annie Potts as Bo Peep and John Morris as Andy. So the story was by John Lasseter, Pete Docter, Andrew Stanton and Joe Ranft. Uh, The screenplay was by Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen and Alex Sokolov. And it was directed by John Lasseter. This is not my first Pixar rodeo, to coin a cowboy phrase, um, as I covered The Incredibles back in January. Uh, That was episode 30, so that was 20 whole episodes ago, that's crazy. And on that episode, um, I didn't focus on the history of Pixar. But I feel like Toy Story is different because the creation of Pixar is paramount in the creation of Toy Story. Let's start at the beginning with the creation of Pixar. Pixar Animation Studios started life in 1974 as Computer Graphics Lab by New York Institute of Technology founder Alexander Schur. He hired four computer scientists, Edwin Catmull, Malcolm Blanchard, Alvy Ray Smith and David DiFrancesco with the aim of creating the world's first computer animated film. The group and the money it consumed caused great financial hardship for NYIT um, and in 1979 George Lucas approached the team independent of Shaw and offered them jobs at his studio which became known as the graphics group of Lucasfilm Computer Division. For several years this group would produce experimental film and created the precursor to Render Man which I'll come back to a bit later. It was called Reyes uh, which means renders everything you ever saw. In 1983, John Lasseter was trying to convince Disney executives to make a computer-animated adaptation of Thomas Dish's book, The Brave Little Toaster. To prove they could do it, they made a short test film based on where the wild things are, and satisfied with the result, they moved forward to make The Brave Little Toaster. The project was cancelled during the pitch to Ed Hansen and the head of Disney Studios, Ron W. Miller, due to the lack of perceived cost benefits and the rights for The Brave Little Toaster transferred to Hyperion Pictures. I'm going to come back to Hyperion Pictures a bit later. Ed Hanson then fired John Lasseter, who subsequently met with his friend Ed Catmull, you'll remember him from just before, at a computer graphics conference. He ended up being hired by Lucasfilm temporarily as an interface designer, because at that time Ed Catmull was prohibited from hiring animators in inverted commas um Lassiter spent his time at Lucasfilm learning their software and teaching them filmmaking techniques art and animation the resulting short was called the adventures of Andre and Wally B and that was released on July 25th 1984 at a conference called SIGGRAPH in Minneapolis and it featured the first use of motion blur complex 3d backgrounds and also manipulable shapes after learning that the Brave Little Toaster project at Hyperion Pictures had fallen through, uh, John Lasseter was jobless until Catmull called him and they offered him a full time job with Lucasfilm in October 1984. The digital compositing computer built by and used at Lucasfilm was laser based and it was called PictureMaker. It became called the Pixar Image Computer. Um, Pixar Image Computer was the name of the hardware. The idea was to create and sell these machines. Um, they wanted to sell them to commercial and scientific high end markets such as medical imaging, geophysics, and meteorology. Each of these Pixar Image Computer machines cost $135,000. And they also required an additional mandatory $35,000 workstation to be purchased at the same time. Uh, The Pixar image computer um, became the basis of the name of the newly formed independent hardware company Pixar in 1986, which was headed by Edwin Catmull. Steve Jobs became interested in investing, having just been fired from Apple. Uh, He founded his own company called Next. In 1986, Steve Jobs paid $5 million to George Lucas for the technology rights to the Pixar image computer and invested $5 million into Pixar, joining the board of directors as chairman. So at this point, Pixar is a hardware company, just in case I haven't made that completely clear. So they were still struggling to sell these computers. Um, so what they did was they created these short demonstration animations like Luxo so Junior, Um, But that actually did nothing to improve sales. And Steve Jobs invested more money as financial losses grew. Um, Jobs ended up investing $50 million. Um, He ended up gaining control of the entire company. um, And the animation department was turned into a division providing computer animated commercials, which was the only way at the time that they could really make any money. The hardware division was sold off. And Pixar's proprietary software tools such as RenderMan became available on the general market. Uh, It ended up becoming a leading 3D package in the early 1990s and in 2015 it became available online for free for anyone to use. Um, I have mentioned RenderMan before uh, all the way back in the episode that I did on Sky Captain and The World of Tomorrow which is episode 5 by the way. Um, So RenderMan has been used for the creation of digital visual effects for you name it: Jurassic Park, Terminator, Judgment Day, Lord of the Rings. It is a little bit like you name a movie, Renderman was probably used for it. So, using Renderman, they realised they had a piece of software that they could use to produce short films, um, with the aim to eventually build up to the feature length computer animated film they knew was possible. They knew it would be difficult, but they knew that it was possible. Walt Disney Studios was so interested, they ended up buying the Pixar image computer to help migrate their laborious and paint part of 2D animation. Because remember, at the time, computer animation didn't exist. Everything was 2D, everything was hand-drawn, and so Disney felt that the investment would actually help their 2D hand-drawn animation department. This relationship with Disney would become vitally important to Pixar's strategy going forward, um, so, going a bit further into the future, Pixar signed a twenty-six million dollar deal in nineteen ninety-one with Disney to produce three computer animated feature films. Um, just going back, yeah, timeline's a bit skewy, but so Pixar started with Luxo Jr., who is obviously their official mascot. He's the lamp that bounces on their logo. Uh, and the short film Luxo so Jr. premiered in 1986 at Sigraph, which, as I mentioned before, and it was also released uh, alongside Toy Story 2 uh, in 1999 as an additional short, and that was something that Pixar started doing, was including these little animated shorts uh, into their movie releases as well. After Luxo so Jr. came Red's Dream in 1987, and then Tin Toy in 1988, which was a short film directed by John Lasseter. Pixar was still losing money at this point, and Tintoy was produced despite heated arguments between engineers and animators working at Pixar. So Tintoy was rendered on RenderMan RM1 and included for the first time a human baby character, which was notoriously difficult to animate. Um, If you've ever seen clips or seen Tintoy, you will know that the baby looks like something out of a nightmare uh, the baby was incredibly difficult making it look like a baby would move was just incredibly hard tin toy cost three hundred thousand dollars and actually ended up winning the best animated short at the 1988 academy awards obviously disney had fired john Lasseter back in 1984 and with the success of tin toy Disney CEO Michael Eisner and chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg then tried to get Lassiter back to Disney, which Lasseter refused, uh, mainly due to his gratitude for Steve Jobs. Um, he's quoted as saying, I can either go back to Disney and be a director or I can stay at Pixar and make history. So that is exactly what he did. Um, so driven by the victory at the Oscars a sequel to Tin Toy was proposed which would be increased in length to an hour and a half the idea would be from Tinny as he's named uh, his perspective as part of a set of toys who remain unsold for years so they end up in a modern toy store and he would meet several new toy characters including a soft pink bear named Lotso and if you're wondering yes, that Lotso Uh, so despite input from John Lasseter Andrew Stanton and Pete Docter the ideas were rejected by Disney Uh, the project for Tin Toy 2 was abandoned but the bare bones story behind it became a story about the toys who just want children to love and play with them it was the Nightmare Before Christmas and Tim Burton's influence which opened the ability for non-Disney studios to make their movies outside of Disney control which is exactly what Pixar did Till they were bought by Disney. But that's another story. Uh, John Lasseter commented at Toy Story's 20th anniversary panel that because of Nightmare Before Christmas, Toy Story happened. Tim Burton's want to control his own production meant that Disney gave him the rights to make it outside of Disney Studios. And Pixar was granted the same for Toy Story. And that is basically how Toy Story became Toy Story. Uh, Because as you'll find out, uh, Toy Story was not an easy production. It's worth noting, too, that the Brave Little Toaster did get made. Eventually, Um, the budget was severely reduced when it was being worked on uh, at Hyperion. Uh, Disney was not involved at all and actually has some striking similarities to Toy Story in that it's basically a story about what it would be like to be a household appliance and household appliances coming to life so there are a lot of striking similarities between Toy Story and the Brave Little Toaster Um, but the Brave Little Toaster was not computer animated but anyway back to Toy Story Um, because as the computer animation was groundbreaking uh, Pixar admit that they were complete novices at the time Uh, they were building the software and hardware simultaneously uh, which was needed to execute the story that they wanted to tell but the story itself was also problematic at first and when you are making a movie most of the time the story has to come first you see lovely Sheriff Woody as we know him wasn't always so lovable In fact, the first concept of Woody was a bit of a bully. Um, They wanted him to be edgy. Uh, They didn't want him to be too nice. But in the test animation created, um, which I will pop in the show notes if you want to see, Woody is a tall marionette-looking toy uh, who bullies the smaller, uh, in this particular animation, red Buzz Lightyear character. And honestly, it's, it's not actually that nice to watch. Woody was meant to be the villain in the original concept, once Disney relinquished creative control to Pixar, the core idea changed from a reimagining of tin toy with a ventriloquist dummy to the simple core fact that children love their toys and toys love the children just as much. Uh, buddy comedy was proposed in the vein of Midnight Run and two toys, a vintage, outdated cowboy toy versus a brand new state-of-the-art space toy became the leads. Um, with the Wild West and science fiction being kind of Polar opposite uh, genres, because space westerns don't work, um, do they? Wild Wild West, cowboys and aliens, fire flight oh. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll come back to Joss Whedon in a little bit. um It's worth mentioning as well. Anyone who's seen Toy Story four, um, and I do plan on slightly touching on the sequels later, but I'm not really going to go into them in detail. But if you have seen Toy Story four, you will know how creepy ventralipus dummies are. Um, They are the worst. (laughs) They genuinely are. They look cruel. They look sneaky. They look mean. The decision to simply have Woody, an old style wooden pull string cowboy doll, made sense with the juxtaposition of Buzz as this brand new space ranger toy. Ventriloquist dummies are not nice. They are not nice to look at. I still don't like looking at them in Toy Story 4. Um, Buzz Lightyear started life as Luna Larry. uh, Then Tempest from Morph Uh, but became Buzz Lightyear, named after astronaut Buzz Aldrin. Woody was named after Western actor Woody Strode. The writing team of Lassiter, Stanton and Doctor have been mentioned before on this podcast and are all well known uh, for their work for Pixar. Each one of them has had creative input on many of Pixar's best movies throughout the year. Um, It's worth mentioning that Joe Ranft, who was also involved in this movie, he actually died in a traffic collision in 2005, His last major work was co-directing Cars, uh, which ended up being dedicated to him. Um, But the writing team of Lassiter, Stanton, Doctor and Ramph, all four of them were beginner writers. Um, It was Disney who insisted on the appointment of Joel Cohen, Alex Sokolov and Joss Whedon to develop the script further from the basic version of Toy vs Toy. Joss Whedon was the one who envisioned Buzz as a toy, who didn't realise he was a toy. Uh, Joss Whedon actually had quite a lot of involvement in the changes of the script to make it a bit more humorous. Like, for example, he was the one who created the character of Rex. Obviously, Rex was created for the movie, uh, as were some of the other characters involved, but there were others, like Mr Potato Head and Etch-A-Sketch, which required Pixar to get permission from the people who own those products, uh, such as Playschool in the case of Mr. Potato Head. Interestingly, I found out that Mr. Potato Head has his own lawyer. Uh, and Mr. Potato Head's lawyer, genuinely, I'm not even making this up. So there is a licensing lawyer that deals with everything to do with the character of Mr. Potato Head. And that lawyer spoke with producer Ralph Guggenheim about Mr. Potato Head's portrayal and licensing, Uh, It's important to note that there is no product placement in Toy Story, apart from one. Uh, And the one bit of product placement in Toy Story is Panasonic, who paid to have their batteries in the baby monitor. Uh, Obviously, it's very well documented, the toys that they wanted to include in Toy Story. So they wanted G.I. Joe, uh, but they were refused, so they created Combat Carl. Combat Carl unfortunately gets blown up. uh, And they wanted Barbie. Um, and specifically they wanted Barbie to actually show up and save the day Uh, they actually wanted Barbie to say the immortal phrase from Terminator 2 come with me if you want to live but Mattel didn't want Barbie in any animated film because it's important for her to be a neutral personality Mattel would obviously change their minds for Toy Story 2, Uh, it still took a bit of persuading but they did agree to Barbie being in Toy Story 2 and obviously then they introduced Ken in Toy Story 3. Um, The success and sequels to Toy Story obviously made the convincing a bit easier. Once they had the story down, uh, they had a script approved in January 1993 and the cast was assembled for recording sessions before the animation was done, which was standard at the time. John Lasseter always wanted Tom Hanks for Woody and as America's favourite uncle, of course he said yes uh, but Paul Newman was also considered as a kind of old Hollywood versus new Hollywood kind of take Um, it's still the role that many associate with Tom Hanks uh, and he did a lot of ad-libbing for Woody as well for Buzz Billy Crystal was the first approached, he turned it down, he later said that he regretted turning it down, Uh, he ended up playing Mike Wazowski in Monsters, Inc. instead, also Bill Murray, Chevy Chase and Jim Carrey were all considered. Um, Tim Allen, who was kind of a household name at the time because of his show Home Improvement, uh, was ended up offered the role of Buzz um, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen had kind of a very natural rapport and a natural chemistry. Uh, They actually ended up recording their lines together um, to make that chemistry and the reactions feel as authentic as possible. Um, Again, two actors recording lines at the same time was something that was not very often done. Um, Most actors read lines in a booth alone. Um, Tom Hanks actually recorded the dialogue for Toy Story during breaks for A League of Their Own, which... I covered in episode 43, it's a movie that I love, and I love Tom Hanks in that movie. I always like to reference old episodes. Um, Anyway, um, it's worth noting as well, there's certain things that happen in every single Pixar movie. Uh, For example, A113 is uh, one of the Easter eggs um, that's found in almost every Pixar movie. Uh, It is the Classroom that was used by graphic design and character animation students at the California Institute of Arts. Uh, as I mentioned before, John Lasseter studied there, Brad Bird studied there, also Tim Burton studied there as well, and also John Ratzenberger. Uh, he voices roles in every Pixar movie. Sometimes they're little roles, sometimes they're big roles, um, and he voices Ham in this movie. So once they got the voices down, um, the production then started on the movie. Uh, But even then, it was still hampered by shutdowns, rewrites and re-recording of dialogue. Um, Tom Hanks especially uh, felt that Woody was a jerk. Um, and once half the movie was ready, it was shown to the Disney executives uh, on the 19th of November 1993 at an event that's later dubbed the Black Friday incident. Um, and the reason why it's called that is because it was declared a mess and Disney ordered production to be stopped with immediate effect. Lasseter reflected that it was a story filled with the most unhappy, mean characters that he'd ever seen. He asked Jeffrey Katzenberg for two weeks to rework the script. Uh, Disney refused to fund that time. Uh, Steve Jobs ended up stepping up, funding the project personally during those two weeks. Uh, Steve Jobs also managed the volatile relationship with Disney um, that was occurring at the time. In many ways, Steve Jobs really is the hero of this story uh, or toy story, however you want to say. So, um, True to his word, the script was revised in two weeks uh, and the character of Woody was altered from being this kind of very mean-spirited, tyrannical boss of the toys to a more sympathetic, kind leader figure, um, but obviously who still has that little bit of jealousy uh, towards Buzz. Um, Buzz himself, uh, they found that he was kind of acting like a bit of an idiot, um, so he was changed to instead of being a bit dumb, um, to genuinely believing that he was a real space ranger. Disney approved the changes that were made and by February 1994 the production was restarted and by March uh, the actors were re-recording new lines. Most of the animation done up to that point obviously was scrapped uh, and as production was green lit the crew grew to 27 animators, 22 technical directors and 61 other artists and engineers. The original $17 million budget was revised after the major revisions and Ed Catmull had to compromise with Disney executives on a revised budget of $30 million. Um, While the pay for the animators wasn't brilliant, the lure of being in the team creating the first feature-length computer animated movie was enough to lure them. The 27 animators used 400 computer models to animate the characters, which actually started as physical clay models, uh, which were then used to create wireframe diagrams necessary to create each character in the animated form. Um, Impressively, everything was animated to look as authentic as possible. So rather than have the easy, very pristine environments for the toys to live in, um, you'll notice they made the rooms actually look quite realistic um, with battered doors and scuffed skirting Um, and my favourite bit actually is the fact that birds glows in the dark um, which is great because a lot of toys back in the 90s did glow in the dark Um, each shot in the movie was passed through and approved by eight different teams the actors were recorded reading lines Um, And their facial expressions were the ones that were used to animate the characters. Um, That was because John Lasseter was offered the option to use automatic lip syncing, uh, but he refused. Um, So what they did was they actually took images of the actors actually voicing the lines, and then they animated the characters with similar facial expressions. Each eight seconds of those facial expressions uh, took a week to animate, Uh, Some scenes were so hard to actually animate, uh, such as when Combat Carl unfortunately meets his demise um, and Woody dunking his head in some cereal, that they're kind of only alluded to uh, because it was so difficult for them to create those scenes that they're kind of done off camera um, in a way. Similarly, rather than show full human characters, most characters are only shown by their legs. um, And that's for two reasons, really. The first reason... It's really difficult to animate human beings, uh, as we discovered when we were trying to animate a baby in Tin Toy. But also, they're only shown by their legs because it's kind of from the perspective of a toy. Um, You'll also notice that Andy, his friends, are actually exactly the same model as him because it was easier for them to copy Andy multiple times with different skin tones and clothes rather than create individual characters for his friends. Shading, lighting, and visual effects were compiled with sets and characters, and 300 computer processors were used to render each shot for the final design. Renderman was used for shading each surface, but some real objects were also used as well. So, what they did was they actually scanned real curtain cloth um, in order to design Andy's curtains. 117 Sun Microsystem computers ran. 24 hours a day in a render farm producing three minutes of completed animation per week uh each machine was actually named after an animal um and every single time the render was complete it would make an animal noise the most interesting thing i find is that the laptop i'm using now which is four years old has more processing power than those computers did which is crazy um So the entirety of Toy Story took 800,000 machine hours and 114,240 frames of animation to create 81 minutes of film. Toy Story is the shortest film that Pixar has ever done. These are kind of mind-boggling figures, um, but this is the reason why I wanted to look at Toy Story, because it's such an important landmark in animation history, and so much was dedicated to it. They were so involved in this process. They were so desperate to prove that they could do it. And so they did it. Um, and that's what innovation is. It's pushing the boundaries. It's trying to be better at something. And that's how you get something like this out of it. Originally, Disney envisaged a full-on musical as Disney liked to do at the time, which Pixar vehemently disagreed with, um, because they stated that a Woody movie wouldn't work as a musical. And also in addition, both Woody and Buzz are not the sort of characters who are very open about their feelings. They regress a lot of things, and so they wouldn't be able to emote through music and lyrics. Um, It was agreed that non-diagetic songs would be used instead uh, over the movie and this is where Randy Newman came on board because Randy Newman didn't just compose the score, uh, he also created one of Pixar's most memorable songs, You've Got a Friend in Me, which you heard at the start uh, of this episode, sung by my nephew because Toy Story is his favourite film. Okay, one thing that I like to do every episode is I like to do something called the obligatory Keanu reference, uh, where I like to link the movie that I'm featuring with Mr. Keanu Reeves, and I'm not going to lie, I made this the easiest that I could possibly make it, um, because Keanu Reeves is part of the Toy Story universe, uh, because, I mean, he's Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom only appears in Toy Story 4, but I like to think he's been around in this universe for a while. Um, and that Duke Kaboom was always there kind of in a toy box somewhere so I mean it's probably the easiest one that I've ever done but I'm going there Uh, I'm not going to make it difficult for myself I mean (laughs) next week's gonna be really really tough but yeah we'll have to see about that one A film about toys would naturally be uh, a very viable commercial opportunity to produce toys, you would think. Um, But when the November release date for Toy Story was announced in January 1995, uh, toy companies were hesitant to get involved. Uh, They stated they'd need at least 18 months lead time to produce the toys necessary for the release date. It was Thinkway Toys, who were a relatively small player in the toy industry, Uh, They were the only manufacturer that was interested in producing toys uh, on behalf of Toy Story. Um, And they specifically introduced a 12-inch tall Buzz Lightyear figure. um, Which, obviously, as the movie was released in the US in November, uh, Christmas toy sales were already well underway. um, And they obviously wanted to try and get some toy sales in for the Christmas market. The problem was, they actually didn't think Toy Story would be such a massive hit. Uh, spoiler alert it was Um, and they genuinely didn't make enough toys to meet demand uh, making Buzz Lightyear the most sought after toy of 1995 this is actually something that they reference in Toy Story 2 I remember at the time the furore uh, on the news about Buzz Lightyear toys and about how you could not get a Buzz Lightyear and everyone wanted a Buzz Lightyear Um, so in a way it actually benefited Disney to not have as many toys available because people were just desperate for it. They were desperate to lap up whatever Toy Story they could. Um, Obviously, ever since, the toys have become a lot more available. Every single time a movie is released, you always get new toys. Um, My nephew actually has every single Toy Story toy that you can get um, because my sister specifically collected them all for him. Um, You could not get a Buzz Lightyear toy at Christmas 1995, unless you were incredibly lucky, because uh, they were very, very rare. As I mentioned, uh, Toy Story was released in uh, November 1995, and 1995 was quite a quiet year for animation, actually. Um, only really Pocahontas was a contender against Toy Story. Uh, obviously and famously, Pocahontas was seen as the primary uh, movie at Disney against the Lion King which was seen as kind of a lesser film at the time you didn't want to be working on the Lion King you wanted to be working on Pocahontas uh, and we all know how that finished um, because obviously the Lion King is probably one of Disney's greatest ever movies um, but still although Toy Story was the highest grossing animated movie of 1995 Pocahontas was only $17 million or so behind Um While it was released November 1995 in the US Here in the UK we had to wait until March 1996 That was something that happened a lot um, Back in the day, uh, so to speak Back in the 90s uh, and the 2000s Often we had to wait up to six months For uh, a Disney or a Pixar release Pixar especially bad Um, I remember waiting a long time to see um, Up um, and Inside Out as well, I think that was a six month wait, so yeah a bit daft I think, especially in the modern day, uh, to have releases that are so separated as I mentioned uh, this November will be the 25th anniversary of Toy Story um, obviously, it's crazy that this movie is 25 years old um, from my point of view, I rewatched this movie this week um, and I have to say, it still completely wows me, Um Despite the clear advances in computer animation, uh, it still holds up, it still looks great, you still root for the characters, you still find it funny. It is truly a wonderful achievement uh, and the, the fact it's 25 years old is, I mean, it's pretty mental. The movie did incredibly well. (laughs) Uh, As I mentioned before, it had a budget of $30 million. Um, It ended up grossing $363 million worldwide. That actually put it the second highest grossing movie of 1995 um, after Die Hard with a Vengeance. But when Toy Story's re-releases are taken into account, Toy Story becomes the highest grossing movie of 1995. So despite this being a movie that was so groundbreaking Uh, it didn't actually get any real award recognition Um, John Lasseter received a special achievement academy award for the development and inspired application of techniques that have made possible the first feature-length computer animated film Uh, the movie received three academy award nominations for best music original song best music original music or comedy score and best original screenplay It was the first animated film to be nominated for a Writing Category Academy Award. In 2005, it was added to the National Film Registry by the National Film Preservation Board. Um, And it was added as early as it could possibly be added uh, because it came out in 1995. They have to wait 10 years. So in 2005, it was one of very few films added to the National Film Registry that very year that they could be added. It also still retains a 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes uh, alongside Toy Story 2 as well. Toy Story 3 and 4, uh, neither of which are 100% fresh, uh, but they're not that far off. Speaking of sequels, I don't need to tell you uh, about Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, or Toy Story 4. Everyone knows about them. Um, Toy Story 1 to 3, to me, is the perfect trilogy. I have very mixed feelings about Toy Story 4, only because I feel very much like 1 to 3 are just the greatest that they could possibly be. Um, And I always kind of felt that they didn't need to make a fourth. But then Keanu's in Toy Story 4, so... Yeah, it's... um, I definitely have very mixed feelings on Toy Story 4. I don't dislike Toy Story 4... Out of all of the Toy Story movies, Toy Story 4 is my least favourite, but that doesn't mean I think it's a bad movie, if that makes sense. Um, I also wanted to highlight as well that there is a lovely little live action remake of Toy Story on YouTube. It's so well done. It's absolutely pitch perfect. It's a shot for shot live action remake with a real little boy playing Andy um, and it's, it's just so well done. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Um, please have a watch because you will just find it so delightful and enchanting. Right. Um, I feel like I've kind of gone on for a while and I kind of have. But I'm going to carry on because I've got some social media thoughts. So I always ask on social media what people think. Um, I think I expected a bit more for Toy Story. And I kind of thought, well, maybe maybe people have forgotten Toy Story in a way because the sequels are so good. And because each sequel is a visual improvement and a story improvement and a character improvement that I think the original can kind of sometimes feel a little bit overshadowed, maybe. Um, But anyway, I did get some social media thoughts. Um, So on Twitter, we have Andy at Geek Salad Radio. He said... Truly one of the most influential movies of all time. While not the best of the series, it can't be understated that it's a technical marvel. Woody and Buzz are held up alongside Mickey Mouse as the top Disney mascots and is just such a wonderful movie. At Eat Crime said, my first thought is... (laughs) Okay, this is not going to make any sense, but before I give you Caitlin's thoughts, um, I have dubbed this episode Toy Story with a five... For the S and a zero for the O, so it looks like five T zero R Y, um, and I put that in the post. So that is what she's referencing. So going back to her thoughts, my first thought is that five T zero R Y hurts my brain a little bit. My second thought is that I loved Toy Story as a kid. The second was my favourite, but how could you not love the story of the adventures your childhood toys go on when you're not looking? Also, Pizza Planet, yes at best film ever pod said tim allen that's all that mainly needs to be said he was everywhere in the nineties and i couldn't look past his presence to find an interesting film the idea that tim was the new cool thing and tom was outdated felt very much like how things were going in hollywood in ninety five the animation is stunning for ninety five so much more so that although the sequels are cleaner the character models are largely the same Toy Story is more noteworthy for its legacy establishing Pixar than it is for the film itself. Much like Woody, I just want to yell at Buzz. At Sean Geek Podcast said, Toy Story is a landmark in animation, sure, but the storytelling is second to none. Youthful yet nostalgic, complex yet simple, the film still holds up after all these years. You could dissect this film and teach it in a writing class. A huge favourite in our home. Which is really interesting when you know how difficult the actual process of creating this story was. It was really not easy. Uh, the fact they came up with something that was quite brilliant and cohesive is quite astonishing, really. At BLC Agnew said, Pixar came out swinging with one of the tightest screenplays of the decade and a huge beating heart and it worked so well that it's no wonder that machine-tuned narrative function plus big feels became their modus operandi. Still a great film, as well as a landmark of animation. At underscore son of Ben underscore said, Steve Jobs best investment ever. (laughs) Which is kind of true. Without Steve Jobs, we would not have Pixar. So Steve Jobs, rest in peace, uh, really, really is the hero of this story. At Golden Tales Geek said, saw it twice in theatres when I was a kid because I loved it so much. Still holds up amazingly well as one of the best animated films ever. We don't have anything over on Instagram, uh, but on Facebook, Eric said, A fun childhood staple that signalled the arrival of the wonderful company of Pixar that had a huge impact on my and many others childhoods. While it's not among my top favourites in Pixar's library or the Toy Story series, it's still a solid entry that brings back a lot of memories and that I'll watch whenever it's on. Happy 25th anniversary. Laurel said, This was my first memory of a true blockbuster movie phenomenon. I was five and we went to the theatre to see it, but as we got out of the car, a little boy was running through the parking lot like a town crier, shouting, Toy Story sold out! I was devastated, but when I finally saw it a few days later, it was absolutely worth the wait. A monumental achievement in animation that created characters i cherish for the rest of my life. And Rob said, I watched this as a child and this is really what got me into wanting to know about computers and 3D software, which has in turn led me down the 3D printing route this is one of my all-time favourite films and I can't even tell you how many times I've watched it I love all the small easter eggs in this movie and the conspiracy theories that have come up from the franchise as a result love it one of the all-time greats that will never get old for me thank you to everyone for their social media thoughts um as always I feel like there's so much more that I can say about Toy Story um I never saw it in the cinema originally um But I did go to the cinema to see the 3D re release that they did in 2009, which was actually really fun. Um, I don't go a bundle on 3D re releases, um, but I felt like I had to for Toy Story. And it wasn't really kind of in your face 3D, it was very subtle 3D, um, but it really actually was quite effective. While I'll always say that my favourite Pixar movie is The Incredibles. The Toy Story movies hold such a special place, purely for their ability to transform you back to when you were a kid. I'm certain we all thought that our toys were real, and the characters we projected onto them were their characters in real life. And the legacy of Toy Story is clear. Um, Look at the animation that we get now. Pretty much all computer animated. Um, It became the landmark and the pioneer for animation going forward, Pixar became the one to beat, and arguably Toy Story has been beaten. Computers nowadays can produce photorealistic water, hair, fire, animals, and humans. Um, I actually saw Frozen Two recently, and I was blown away by its visuals. Not the story though, sorry frozen fans. Um, but without Toy Story pioneering that, it's really hard to say what animation would be like without Toy Story. Because without it, animation would look different. Um, And it's the thing that, had we not had Toy Story, had we not had Pixar, had we not had Steve Jobs, um, computer animation would have happened. Um, But it likely wouldn't be so brilliant and so heartfelt and so timeless as Toy Story. And I think that's why... I cherish this movie so much and that's why it's been such a genuine joy to spend this 50th episode talking about such a wonderful animated movie um that despite my love of hand-drawn and stop-motion animation is really genuinely special to me um and and the franchise as a whole is very remains very special to me as well um what else can you say about Toy Story? It's it's perfect. Thank you for listening uh, to this 50th episode of Herbal Diorama. Um, as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Toy Story. Um, or any of the Toy Stories, really. Hopefully, I will get round to covering Toy Stories 2, 3 and 4 one day. Um, I would very, very much like to... Um, I would very much like to kind of finish the trilogy, uh, the Toy Story trilogy for definite. Um, and I will probably get round to Toy Story 4 because... Keanu. Next episode. Um, so next episode, I'm going into a genre that's categorically not my favourite because I think as a woman... Uh, women are expected to like a certain genre of film um, and although there are some standout movies that I really do like I have to say that the movie that I'm covering next episode is one of those um, It's Paint Reed's Reads 2003 romantic comedy Down With Love Romantic comedies are really not my thing <laughs> I may cover some more romantic comedies in the future um, but I don't go a bundle on them um, But Down With Love is brilliant um, it's very underrated. It's also and McGregor at his most handsome. Um, oh, I love Ewan McGregor in Down With Love. Um, so I really hope you'll join me next week to talk about Down With Love um, and also the 60s glossy screwball Rock Hudson and Doris Day comedies that inspired it uh, because it genuinely is an absolute joy to watch. If you like this episode, I've also done episodes on Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed, Aladdin 1992 and 2019, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels 2000, The Mummy 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 10, Hush, Mystery Men, Passengers, Stardust, Constantine, After Christmas, Akira, Kubo and the Two Strings, The Incredibles, The Lego Movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, House Moving Castle, My Neighbour Totoro, Spirited Away, Treasure Planet, (laughs) Clueless, Hellboy 2004, Hellboy 2 The Golden Army, Bridesmaids, Tremors, The John Wick Trilogy, A League of Their Own, A Night's Tale, Little Shop of Horrors, 1986, Rogue One, Princess Mononoke, The Thing, 1982, and The Muppets. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from Um, You can follow me at Verbal Diorama On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram And also Letterboxd Um, You can sign up to support the show if you want to At Patreon, patreon.com slash Verbal Diorama The tiers start at $2 a month They're all Keanu themed Uh, There is no Duke Kaboom tier, I'm afraid Um, You get loads of perks and always, every episode, I'd like to shout out and give thanks to the patrons, uh, Simon E, Sharday, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristin, Kat, Andy and Mike. Thank you so much for supporting Verbal Diorama. You can email me, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. If you wish, you can also visit my website, which is verbaldiorama.com. As I mentioned, each episode... I do a lot of work for Film Stories Uh, obviously the magazine is an independent British movie magazine Um, uh, the latest issue of the magazine is due out very shortly Um, I would love it if you would pop over to their website and buy a copy because that would be brilliant Um, and obviously I also do bits online for them as well Um, so yeah, I pop up all over the place on Film Stories they can't get rid of me I'm a fixture slash fitting at film stories now. And I guess all that's left to say is to infinity and beyond. Or at least the next 50 episodes. Bye.